Lazarus Kremos. And this is Nathan Gould. And welcome to the Back Beck Daily Doha series, brought to you today with lieu of having a sponsor, brought to you today by Gianni Infantino, who is everyone. Yes, our good friend Gianni Infantino. And Lazarus, I don't know about you, but today I feel Ecuadorian. And so you should, Nathan, so you should, because the Qataris are the first hosts to lose their opening match in a World Cup, ever. And they could be only the second host to be exiting in the group phase based off that performance. And I think they will be. I changed my prediction now because I can't see them gaining any traction to recover from this result. This was a game they had to win. Coming into the tournament, all eyes on Qatar and the tougher games, on paper at least perhaps, Senegal and Netherlands to come. If they were going to get out of the group, this was the game they had to win. And just watching the game this morning, it seemed, the first half at least, they were completely shell-shocked and overawed by the occasion. Yeah, they were like rabbits in headlights, frozen, just waiting to be hit. And it was nothing like the Qatar that we saw in the Asian Cup a few years ago. They no were resemblance at all. Way off the yeah. pace. And yeah. they were better in the second half. It seems as though the manager got them in, calmed them down a bit, sent them back out with some more principles in mind. And they were better in the second half, but still not amazing. And they didn't embarrass themselves, which at halftime you thought, okay, how many is this going to be? Well, at halftime, I thought that this was going to be four, at least. They had stage fright, something... You know, stage fright something to the extent that I haven't seen of a host before because that was just a, a train wreck, really. They were like rabbits, you know, lost, frozen by, you know, headlights, oncoming headlights coming because they were going to get bowled over if, uh, if halftime didn't come around. They were in all sorts of trouble. Halftime did save them, and I don't know where you go to from here if you're Qatar because you've got half the stadium emptying at halftime with people going home seeing enough already. Usually that's reserved for 70, 80 minutes through the match. And how do you build the team back up for these other two matches? I saw some suggestion at halftime that we might see a change in the dugout during this World Cup midway through the group phase. You know what? Truth be told, I actually had that same thought that the manager is gone. And it could happen during this tournament because they don't even look like AFC champions. They, They don't. So it makes you wonder, I mean, look, maybe let's just put it down to nerves and hope that match, you know, in their next match day that they're a much better uh, proposition because if that gets served up again, my Lord, you know, goodbye Qatar and the rest of the world will just focus on, on, on the actual World Cup. Goodbye Qatar and they probably wouldn't score a goal if they put up that sort of performance again. And it's Senegal up next for them in match day two and then they finish with the Netherlands maybe there's still a route for them to get out of the group with four points, perhaps, if the Dutch take their foot off the gas? Yeah. Look, there is, right? There is. It's not all over when you lose your first match, but, and and thankfully for them, it's only 2-0. But, based on that performance in the first half, all we can hope is, well, you know, all we can hope is just that it was put down to nerves, right? Because they were really, really... Frightened by the big stage, as it appears, right? I mean, I've never played on that stage, but and I imagine it'd be quite daunting, right? But the significance of the event, um, the Ecuadorians had no pressure on themselves at all. They just went out and played football, and you could see the difference, right? This Qatari side, given that 
the amount of preparation and the amount of resources that's gone in, right, into them debuting on this stage. Yeah, geez, you know, they were left they were left wanting and they I think they just realised, even though they are the AFC champions and they have performed in the Asian Cup, you know, uh, in previous editions, this uh, you know, this level of the World Cup um, found them out. Really did. It really did, indeed. And talk about some of the players that took the field for Qatar. I was disappointed by Amoez Ali. He had one or two half chances in the game, but he never really got going. But then again, he never got the service. So you can't exactly lay the blame at his feet. But there wasn't really one standout performer from this Qatar side that said, OK, you're going to be our route to get something out of this group in the second two matches. Afif didn't really get going. And a lot of fingers have been pointed at the goalkeeper, Lazarus. Yeah. Look, the disallowed goal, he was to blame. And it should have... Well, jeez. I'm still sceptical if that goal should not have stood. I actually think there's an argument that that goal should have stood, to be fair. Right? When, when, you, look, when you look back at it, the penalty, what is he doing? What is he doing? Like, you know, people... Unfortunately, it looks like they lost their heads. And there wasn't anyone on there to, you know... There wasn't a leader on the pitch to just go, guys, calm down, right? Yes, we've had a shaky start. We just need to play football, right? And there wasn't, and it seems like there wasn't that encouragement coming from the bench either, from the technical area, which is astonishing given that he's brought this team through from 2017 to win the AFC Asian Cup. You know, to this stage, he knows them. You've got to try and just be the calm one and go, you know, and be a leader at that point. And it was just seemed like it was, yeah, it just seemed like it went missing. Yeah, every time they panned to the bench on the broadcast, you didn't see him waving his arms, shouting at players, trying to stir up a performance, particularly in that first half where they were just shell-shocked against Ecuador this morning. And I do wonder whether they will indeed make a change. It's not happened too many times. It's only happened... Uh, twice or three times in the history of the World Cup that there's been a managerial change mid-tournament. Perhaps we will see this. Let's talk about Ecuador, the other side of the coin in this match. An emphatic Ecuador, really. Coming into this tournament, as you mentioned, no pressure on this first game, and it's the end of Valencia show. And he could have had a hat-trick. Perhaps he should have, Lazarus. Uh, look, like I said, I, I think that thir- the disallowed goal should have stood. And yeah, he would have had a hat-trick. I was in complete confusion uh, during the live broadcast where the offside was. I initially thought they somehow flagged it for Enna Valencia. And then 10 minutes later, they put the graphic up on screen and then it became obvious as to why it had been disallowed. And that's an offside that wouldn't have been picked up by any lines person. Yeah, you have to be a real technical person to know that rule behind the goalkeeper, that's for sure. But even so, it was just his leg that was sticking out. There wasn't a full body, for example, that is an obvious one when the goalkeeper moves up beyond the last outfield player. Particularly as well with the way that the pass came about with the the clash between the goalkeeper and the player who was going up for the, the floated-in free kick. I was shocked to see that that indeed was the deciding factor in disallowing the goal, that there was a, a leg stuck out beyond the keeper in that initial challenge, not something else later on down the line. And yeah, it's just, they have, for this World Cup, 
a semi-automated offside system. There's a computer that goes through and checks and draws lines itself and works out who's onside, who's not. And it's interesting, though, is it authentic? Because for mine, that absolutely would not have been picked up by a human referee. Yeah, I think it, yeah, that's a good point, Nathan. It is a good point. It's a point of conjecture. I can't, all I could say to that point is that whoever's the uh, match official in uh, VAR would have to know the real technical aspect of that rule. I mean, and look, referees know you know, know their rules, but especially at that level. But I think that, and it may come out subsequent to the game, that this is the official FIFA briefing. This is what the teams were briefed with because you can see online that the FIFA and the match officials have gone to each team prior to the start of the tournament whilst they're in camp to say, this is what the rules are. This is what we're looking for. This is what we're going to focus on. This is how this semi-automated referee is going to work. So there is an understanding of that. But, geez, that's a really... If you look at the letter of the law, that's a really technical moot point. But, okay, it is we are where we are now. And I tell you what, Qatar have got themselves to play because that marking on the second goal as well. What is Valencia? How is Valencia free in that position? I'm so, at that level... You know, it's uh, you've got to be uh, tight on your man. You, you've got to be up there with them. You can't just give a free header at the back peg. It was a great header. It was a great cross in as well. But you're quite right to highlight the lack of marking from the Qataris. And Enna Valencia, he could have perhaps got a golden boot out of this game if he didn't pick up that knee injury <laughs> the way the yeah, first half was going. He went down three or four times clutching at his knee and came off with 75 minutes to go. Surprisingly, it didn't come off at half time and... They put some ice on it. Hopefully he's ready to go for the second and third matches. I think he'll be okay. I think he'll be okay. Ecuador are in a strong position to progress now. It's probably going to come down to that last game on match day three, Ecuador against Senegal. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, should we uh, do a preview of... Actually, just before we do that, what did you make of the opening ceremony? Did you see it? I did see it. I was up to watch the opening ceremony and a couple of surprise appearances from Morgan Freeman and one of the members of BTS, and it was like they were doing a bit of a greatest hits of World Cups of years gone by. They had all the old mascots brought out, they had a few of the old songs like Waka Waka and uh, and the, the, the song from Brazil 14 with Pitbull yes, and J-Lo. they let Ricky Martin's song as well. Yep, Couple Life got, got a, an, Life, some airtime as well. Which um, is interesting. Yes, and as well was interesting was the little bit of the show where they went through a lot of the chants from the teams that are there. So a famous chant from each of the sides. They maybe did five seconds uh, and in a bit of a medley. And I thought this quite funny at the time that they, for England, they chose a song, Don't Take Me Home, Please Don't Take Me Home, I Just Don't Want to Go to Work. The next line of that chant is, I want to stay here, drink all the beer. Yes. <laughs> I... I, I... I think someone is, um, yeah, taking the mickey. Yeah, drinking what beer? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm, yeah, no, there's, I don't know who the director was of the opening ceremony, but yeah. Yes, and there was plenty of messages about um, unity and respect and the sorts of things you would expect to see from an opening ceremony at a major event like this. They pop up all the time in World Cups and Olympics, for example. It's to be expected, and a lot of those elements are in pretty much every ceremony. So I think overall, watching it, 
I was entertained, I suppose. But just I'd rather get to the football. We did get to the football, and what a great performance it was from the Ecuadorians and Valencia. Perhaps should have had a hat-trick. He did get a brace, though, in Ecuador, setting him straight to the top of Group A. So let's preview tomorrow's matches. We've got, at midnight, Tuesday morning, Sydney time, England versus Iran. Three Lions versus Team Melly. They kick off their campaigns, and this will be an interesting game in light of what's happening. Indeed, and for mine, this game all just comes down to whether England are able to break down Iran. If it ends up in a nil-all or a score draw, Iran would take that every day of the week, and that would set them up nicely for the rest of this group, a point against the top seed of the group. And I don't know if England have it in them to break down this Iranian defence. I think they do. I, I think that... Um, I think we'll see a strong England, the strongest possible side as well from England that uh, Gareth, has, uh, Gareth Southgate has at his disposal. The talk is that everyone's fit except for James Madison, who's got a little bit of a knock coming off that West Ham game, the last round that he played in. And Kyle Walker still. In this group phase, I don't think it'll matter so much who the playing roster is for England. I think that um, the 11 will be strong, and I expect the English to take care of Iran 2-0. Yeah, I can see this being a 0-0 or a 1-1. I think I will end up going for England to pick up the three points, but Iran are going to be a massive nuisance for the English in this game. I might go for a 2-1. 2-1, a late, late winner for mine. And a bit of a concerning tone for England off the back of that game because the expectation is for England to blow this group away, effectively. Seven or nine points, comfortable winners in each game, but I don't think it's going to go down that easy. I do. I do. I think it'll, they'll end up on seven or nine. But the interesting, the interesting dimension to this group is how the other three teams play off against each other. That's where the interest is in this group. England, I think we just need to look at the knockout phase and then let's see how England handles that pressure. Particularly where the draw is as well, where the big teams are, who wins Group D is a big factor as to how far England are going to go in this tournament, whether they meet up with France or Denmark. Yeah, yeah, totally. 100%. 100%. But let's move on in the calendar for the next night of action. At 3am, we have the other game from Group A. It is Senegal against Netherlands. Two big sides coming into this tournament. For mine, these are the two teams that will end up going through from the group. Interesting now that Ecuador have put in such a strong performance against Qatar. A lot of pressure on these two teams now to pick up a win. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that uh, the Dutch will see the Senegalese off. Um, I expect that it'll be about 2-1. Um, I think it'll be a, a great game, though. It's got the potential to be the game of... Uh, the first uh, match day. Um, yeah, this will be a, a really good affair. It's unfortunate, though, that we haven't got Mane in playing for Senegal. It really is. That battle, Mane against Van Dijk, would have been terrific. But, um, yeah, I can see that uh, the, the Dutch will edge this one out. And um, that'll bring us to the end of uh, Group A match day one. Yes, interesting that Louis van Gaal said that he believes his team can win the World Cup. Uh, I, I love his optimism. 
I don't think I can uh, back him up on it. Argentina in the quarterfinals. Nathan, I know that we haven't. I know that we said that you know potentially it'll be Argentina in the quarterfinals, right? But it, anything can happen. I mean, now that it's kicked off, let's wait and see. Let's just enjoy and see what happens with the football. Let's enjoy it indeed. And we are going to enjoy this game at 3am tonight, Senegal against the Netherlands. And you're quite right to highlight the absence of Sadio Mane, taking a massive chunk out of that Senegalese attack and the spiciness of this match. For mine, I do think the Dutch come away with three points and it puts Senegal on the back foot and sets up that match between Senegal and Ecuador on match day three as a winner goes through effectively to the knockout phase. A Dutch win... 2-0 for mine. Yeah, uh, I've got them 2-1. I've got them 2-1. So then we go to the end of tomorrow's uh, fixtures, which will see out Group B's match day one fixtures as well, with the United States versus Wales. This is a great game. Interesting. On paper, I put this down as the least interesting out of the three, but it's still a cracking game. It's, it's a cracking game uh, because they will be at each other. Because it's the only way that they're going to be able to get a, get a result. There's plenty on the line for both teams. And I've got Iran going through. You've got Wales going through from our Group B preview. Neither of us really rate the Americans coming into this tournament all that highly. Maybe they can spring a surprise? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. No doubt there. This American team is built with, a, with an eye to do something at the next World Cup, which they'll be a, a co-host. I think that... Wales will edge this one out because of Wales tournament experience. I like what I'm hearing coming out of the Wales group um, in camp and, and you know through sources like the BBC and uh, the Athletic. I think it, I think that that they are ready. They know that this is their tournament for this generation of the Welsh team, right? Beyond that, I, look, they might qualify for future tournaments, but this is the one where they've got Gareth Bale. And it is all about Gareth Bale. What will be his last tournament, surely, alongside Aaron Ramsey, two mainstays of this Welsh national team. Moving on after Qatar 2022, you would think. And because of what we've been saying, this match is filled with opportunity. Hopefully the teams go out and it's not a bit of a cagey game where they just don't want to lose it. Because if you do lose this game, it is a massive uphill battle to get out of this group. And for that reason, I, I think it may end up going down as a draw, but I might go for Wales to edge it. Yeah, look, four points might be enough to get you out, but you've got to, you know, these opponent, these teams would need to play a run in England next. So you've got to get something out of this game. You have to, if you want to progress. Uh, I see the, the Welsh just uh, taking this one out again, 2-1. I might settle on a one-all draw. So that is the action for tonight, three games tonight. And moving on to every other day of the group stage, we've got four games a day. So plenty to get through, plenty to chat about. And we're going to be here every day dissecting the football that's gone on and a quick look ahead to what's happening the next match day. Thank you very much for tuning in into episode one of the Daily Doha. I've been Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Gramos. Take care, guys. (laughs) 